I'm Randy Bear, the inexperienced transitional pastor. <laughs> and it's just a delight to, for Carrie and I to be with Grace Commons Church uh, this time of year. So I think I can confidently predict that Christmas was, it will, will actually be celebrated tomorrow. There will be presents under the tree, and we will gather with family or friends or both to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But let's be honest, this Christmas comes after a crazy and overwhelming year, two years. And you might have wondered if this year was going to end with the apocalypse, the end of the world. Something like this commercial. So is that it? The only thing that makes it through to the, the apocalyptic end of the world are Chevy trucks, their drivers, and hostess Twinkies? Of course not. As it turns out, today, Christmas Eve, ended up being the defining date on the world's calendar in 2021, as it is every year. The world didn't end with an apocalypse. Instead, we remember the eternal God, second person of the Trinity, our Redeemer, the Savior of the world, who was born this night in a manger. And we eagerly watch and wait for his return in the second advent. Luke tells us what happened on that first Christmas Eve. It started with an emperor's decree. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Here's how the Dutch Renaissance painter Peter Bruegel the Elder portrayed it. The census in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary had no choice but to make the 70-mile trip. Being nine months pregnant did not get you excused. Writer Andy Crouch explains, but Luke believes against all odds that something more important is happening in Bethlehem than in Rome, that a baby born of an unwed, unknown mother is of greater significance than Julius Caesar's adopted son. His angels announce that history is indeed taking a great and decisive turn toward peace on earth, but one that has nothing to do with the empire's peace. A king is coming into the world, the coin of whose realm will be sacrifice 
and grace, not coercion and taxation. Joseph also went to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. What a journey. This painting by German painter Fritz von Hude depicts Mary and Joseph in 19th century Europe and what it would have felt like. Cold, a long journey, and she was nine months pregnant. Joseph went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. This sand sculpture is from the Canary Islands. And every December, sand sculptors from around the world come to practice their craft around the theme of Christ's birth narrative. Peter Bush is the, is the artist, and you see the full force of the innkeeper turning them away. You can almost feel Mary's discomfort as she sits and waits and labors. And finally, Mary gives birth to her firstborn son and wraps him in bands of cloth and lays him in a manger. At this point, the story quickly shifts from the town of Bethlehem to a group of shepherds out in the fields. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. There, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. 20th century artist John August Swanson vividly portrays the scene of angels in the heavens and shepherds with their sheep looking up in wonder and awe. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Here we have the scene portrayed in a beautiful Engraving from a 15th century Bible. And then the shepherds left their flocks to go into the village of Bethlehem. They said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And here the shepherds, eagerly looking with wonder in their faces, What did the shepherds know of the promise of Isaiah, of a Savior born in Bethlehem? These were uneducated, illiterate men. They knew sheep and goats and wild animals and stars of the night sky. But an angel had appeared to them. 
and said, God has sent you a Savior. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed. What did Mary know of the Logos becoming flesh? As a young girl in Palestine, her education would not have included Greek philosophy. She wouldn't have understood a logos becoming flesh, the word made flesh, but she knew about angels. Gabriel had appeared to her personally to tell her a virgin that she would bear the Son of God. And she had also sadly become acquainted with censuses and registration and the arbitrary edicts of kings who demanded that people be relocated even if they're nine months pregnant. If there was anyone who knew what was going on with Jesus' birth, it was Mary. She had had angel to teach her. She had felt the Messiah growing within her and she had delivered the Savior of the world. But when the shepherds tell their story of angels, Luke says something remarkable. He says that Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Mary, who knew Jesus better than any other human, pondered these things. She had to ponder them? Here's Mary depicted the Christ child by a Cameroonian artist. And you can look at that as you think about Mary pondering these words. If Mary had to ponder, maybe we shouldn't be so quick to think we have the whole Jesus thing born in a manger figured out. Maybe like Mary, we should take time to ponder the words of the shepherds. Meditate for a while with John the Apostle on the Logos, the core intelligence of the universe becoming human. Contemplate the mystery of the incarnation of the Word of God. But most of all, understanding that the defining word of the incarnation is grace. Hear this from John. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace, undeserved favor, love beyond any human love. Well, several years ago, I looked at my calendar, my iPhone, after a long Sunday at church, and I realized I had to report for jury duty the next morning. I had forgotten. I had postponed it already, and there was no getting out of it. Now, I'm a big believer in doing my civic duty, but I never get picked for a jury. Once they find out I'm a pastor, the defense thinks I'll be very judgmental. The prosecution thinks I'll be too merciful. <laughs> They're both wrong, but it's hard to overcome stereotypes. So anyway, I set my alarm and 
showed up at the courthouse at 8 o'clock in the morning. And after signing in and gathering with a few hundred of my fellow citizens, we began to wait. Now this was a cool jury room. They had movies. And they were playing Secretariat, which I had never seen. So I put my book down and began to watch. And every 10 minutes or so, they would call the names of jurors, and a few people would rise from their seats and go to the front desk and be escorted to a, court, to a courtroom upstairs. Finally, the staff member got on the PA system and just started calling out names, not alphabetically, but randomly, and there were 30 of them, so you had to listen really carefully for your name. And finally, they called my name. So I went up to the front desk and joined the line and was expecting I would go to a courtroom along with my fellow jurors. I was praying that I wouldn't be chosen. Now maybe you're one of the people who showed up here tonight out of a similar sense of duty. It's Christmas Eve, I better go to church. I hope you experience the wonder of Christmas. But I also hope that you experience what I did in that jury room. As the last juror in my group filed in, the court officer took role, and then she told us something that had never happened to me in the dozen or so times I've been called as a juror. She said a trial had been canceled, and they had summoned too many people to serve that day. So they had picked out names at random. And here's the important part. She said, as far as the court was concerned, each of us had served jury duty by showing up for those few hours. We were done. Two years of freedom. <laughs> All we had to do was turn in our juror badge and sign on the dotted line. At that moment, I experienced grace undeserved favor. That's what Christmas is all about. We live our lives with obligations and duties and think that that's what matters to God. But then something amazing happens. Angels show up and shepherds tell their story. The Apostle Paul explains this in the epistle reading for this day. From Titus 3, verse 4. And here it is. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. So don't miss pondering the true meaning of Christmas. Take advantage of the quiet days that I hope you'll have in the week ahead. Use the time to follow Mary, to meditate on the words of the shepherds and the angels, and most of all, ponder this babe wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And as you do, you will meet God because he wants to tell you this good news. And you will experience his transforming grace.
Well, back to the commercial that we opened with. There's a deep irony in Barry Manilow's song that's the, sound, the soundtrack of the commercial. When he sings, looks like we made it, it sounds like he and his girlfriend reconciled. But when you listen to the entire song, you realize he's singing about a failed relationship. He and his ex-girlfriend have moved on, each with someone different. Thankfully, that can never happen with God. No matter what we do, how badly we've failed, how much we mess up our lives, our relationships, when we meet the Word made flesh, we encounter a love that will not let us go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. That's what Christmas is all about.